so much to talk about. There is JP, Nate Walworth, joining you guys on another episode of the Pure Tennis Podcast. We are in today talking about the Australian Open. So much to talk about. So, so exciting. I don't know where to, we got the Netflix Breakpoint documentary that has hit the market. We've seen a boost. I've seen a boost in tennis. Google Analytics has even spoken to us a little bit that there is more search tabs going up wondering about the big personalities in tennis. And it's just unfortunate that almost all of the Netflix char- featured characters dead. Done. Dead. They are done. Besides one, Felix. Felix. He's the only one that has survived the curse. And he semis last year. So he was like, they did the whole feature on him losing to Rafael. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about the end of of every single uh, Breakpoint episode. But uh, if you haven't watched it, turn off the podcast now. Yeah, I would turn off the podcast now. No, I mean, that's just kidding. It's not like if you're a tennis fan and if if you're listening to this podcast, you're. A tennis fan. Right. You remember Nadal and Felix anyway. So, so. you're not – and I wouldn't even <laughs> – That yeah, was last year. Exactly. And I, so, first off, let's, we'll start off with Breakpoint because I think that's – let's just get it out there because I think that's what a lot of these – if we have casual fans tuning into our game, that's what they are coming in from. I think they're coming from Breakpoint, which was an awesome spotlight on, on our sport. I'll talk to you first as someone that's come to tennis in the last two, three years now. What did you take away – I mean, you followed the tour a lot – more closely than most tennis fans but what did you take away like what was the number one thing that you were like wow that's cool like i didn't know that about tennis or i didn't know that about this person like was there any revelations or any background thing that you learned from these players or like the aspect with the coaching um relationships that you thought was really pretty cool i mean i absolutely think that the what's most interesting for me is like just coming into it is the psychology i feel like the the documentary series is really focusing on the psychology of all of them. Yeah. Every and to, and to every minute of their waking life is just completely like um, saturated with the fear of losing. And that's what it's making it out to be. Like that they're just obsessed with like their next match, they, they their hate next lo- flight. They hate to lose know? more than they love to win. Exactly. And, and it, yeah, their next flight, their next like like. If they lose, they gotta get back to their schedule and see if they can fit another yeah, event. If in. they lose, they're walking around the place like a spectator, and they just feel like they feel out of place. They feel like dead. They just want to get out. They want to get on the plane and leave. Isn't that? It's and it's just, just so, so crazy. It's a, it's a wild they're walking f- around the parking lot looking for their car keys. Exactly. <laughs> you know? It's it's literally nuts. And it's I mean, nobody besides all, all but one person leaves every event on a losing streak. Yeah. And I think that. I mentioned that on the preview before we talked. We went and watched the the Breakpoint whole whole series, but I mean that was shown in this documentary. Is it's like these players, really none of them leave happy besides one every event, and it's even when you have a couple of good matches, it's hard to forget about that last loss and, and the, regroup. When it's like in the the description of it too is that they got Berrettini in the um, semis and he's talking about how humiliated and embarrassed he is. And isn't it? And his, cr- and his family's just like crying. Dude made it to the semi. Like exactly. this is the best you've ever played. You exactly. got beat by the, the greatest and, tennis player that's ever walked the face of the earth. Like sorry. Paula Badosa talking about depression and how much she struggled with mental right. health. Sakari talking about how she wants to quit the game and how for four days of her life she was gonna re- she was completely settled on being retired and not touching tennis and letting that be a part of her life again. And then she said she texted her Tom Hill, who's her coach, like. 
can we get a practice in? And yeah, and ready like, to go. That stuff's real. Like, I mean, well, and the, even like it's like too. You think it, you get from just like just like fly by over the top. You always feel like, oh, Nick Curios is just a wild man. He's just out there, but he seems the most normal. Yeah. Like after watching this, he leaves it on the court and busts a racket and goes crazy on people on the court. But then off the court, he just seems like totally normal. They all seem crazy isn't off the that, court, and they seem like they're, you know what I mean? Clip like, that. Hey, Troisky, that. It, when you produce this uh, <laughs> video, please clip that. Yeah, that's... Well said, JP. Just saying, like, that's a casual person watching it. It's like, he seems like as a like a normal person off the court and totally crazy on the court, and the rest of them are batshit crazy off the court. I got goosebumps over here listening to that little spiel. I think that is spot on, hitting the nail with the hammer all over it. I mean, that's... That is what it, what I saw to the T. I mean, Nick Curious gets portrayed as this devilish character who's bad for the sport and mean to everybody and always upset about something. It's like, and it, you listen to the players talk about him. Like between like once he walks onto the into the arena, he, he that's his career, that's his profession, that's his craftsmanship that he puts all his time and effort into since he was a young kid. And he feels the pressure from all the casuals that are watching him. He's one of the most followed athletes in the world yeah and that's what he feels out there and it's like he releases that on the court off the court i mean he seemed like he was the guy that you would want to most hang out with and have the most normal time with he seemed like the most normal human like the rest exactly. of them were living in this component uh, of a tennis bubble psychotic fear they are psychotic fear it's which exactly. i don't feel like he has that at all it's it's, it's a little bit scary like that yeah. these athletes are like i think that's why tennis players are so closed off yeah and we don't get to see that personality that often from these guys and you don't see any of these guys go on podcasts like you do with NBA players or soccer. Like these guys are closed off from the rest of the world. I mean, they are like the tennis family is so tight knit. That's why people say the tennis world is so small. It's because that's kind of how they prefer it. They, yeah. they, there's so much outside noise that they just can't handle. It's a fight sport to me too. Is you think boxers and fighters that like fight maybe five matches a year or mm -hmm. five matches, they five. fight five bouts a year. Yep. And like, they think about those like, Tennis player goes right next, he fights five that week and then goes and fights five the next week. And it's got the same emotional component and the psychology Every, of it. Yeah. You have to go in there, like, I'm unbeatable yep. after you've lost 12 times this year. Like, you know? That's insane. It's just, it is. It's crazy. That, that part of the of You the have to sport, be crazy. I, yeah. You have I, to be crazy. I just look at these names on on paper and I'm like, oh, like, this is good. But, like, those guys, like, they don't look at it like that. Like, they've just played that guy that, they, yeah. that they're supposed to beat two weeks ago or three weeks ago. And it's like... They have to overcome overcome that, the fact that they just lost. That they to just them. lost to him and got whooped, and then they have to go back to the practice courts and try to come up with some tactical strategy and game plan that they can disrupt with these players' rhythm. And it's yep. it's insane. And break their confidence it, exactly. Which and, the, the other person's feeling good because like I know how to beat this guy or it, this girl. I yeah. think this more than anything showed me how it's a, how important it is to have coaching allowed at the ATP level. Like to let those guys have a voice at at, at some point of their match. Just to bounce something off of, even if it's, I mean, it's. I haven't noticed it at all as a fan that it has disrupted the match at all. I haven't noticed any time, whether it's. I haven't noticed that the matches are going longer, that there's like a pause in play yeah. or anything. And I think it's just allowed these players just that little bit of human nature relationship that they need while they're in battle, and it's like yeah. that. That is a huge addition to the game, just guys. Just to center them again. Western and Southern 2022 in August was the first time they experimented with this new uh, rule, basically, where where the WTA had been more open with with coaching, and ATP's finally come around. And it's just, I mean, even when you get hurt, it's like it's cool to see these players like talk to the box. Like Taylor Fritz was, uh, he he turned his ankle in the match against Poppy Rin, and he got. Uh, right away he got feedback from his box like are you good to go or like how you feeling like 
and he was able to just communicate that. And it's like we didn't really get that in prior to this. And it was like it was all on the player, and it was just not good for these players' mental health. I don't know. It was not a win-win situation. It was it's a lose-lose. It's like I know tennis is a solo mono mono type sport. It's still that. It's still you have you to still have hit the it. shot. You yeah. still it's you still got to hit the shot. That is yeah, and that is the hardest part. Which of that's our, all we want to see as fans. We want to see long rallies. We want to see people wanna, playing at the top of their game. You want to see the peak player play at their not peak melting level. down. Exactly. Yeah. So guys, I mean, I don't anyway for break break point. I don't really have any overwhelming takes on it other than it's an entertaining show. It's great. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, go watch it. Go watch it for sure. You're gonna learn something. You're gonna see Tennis Point getting some love on episode three, which was pretty cool. The Madrid store with Bedosa in there. Um, I thought that was pretty awesome. A lot of our uh, co-workers yeah, were talking about that. I was saw pretty, that pretty too. Sweet. I'm like, yay! Yeah. <laughs> but I think I'm excited for the rest of the uh, show to drop. I think it comes out in the summer. They haven't featured Tiafo yet, but anyway, it's uh, the Netflix curse is real. All but one player in as a featured a- athlete, was knocked out. I mean, even including Rafa, who had some time on there with uh, the Yeah, they Uncle turned Tony. him into a monster. Dude, he was. He was, like, looming that mon- in the okay. corner. That was my favorite part of the show. I mean, he won. Like, was that was that you that texted the group chat that said he won that match before he even won that match? Like, oh, he's just, like, because he's he intimidation. He's, like, the dick butt-kiss of tennis. I mean, like, Felix, he's just standing he in the... Put, in the Alley. Yeah, he put him in. He a, put Felix and Casper in a pretzel. I mean, <laughs> they those guys were both playing the biggest matches of their life, whether it was Felix in the semi or Rude in the final. And you have Rafa going through this pre match. Rude, especially. Rude, especially. Rude, like hitting the freaking balls. I mean, this ground. is. So, yeah, that's. This is. So, Casper Rude has been very open and vocal about Rafa being his idol growing up. And this is the guy that he idolized and tried to emulate his game after. And. You know, he even tr- went, went as far as going to Rafa's academy and training with Rafa and his resources and just being at that facility where he felt comfortable, especially as a clay court specialist, being a guy that wanted to kind of be the fighter that Rafa was. And to play your idol on the biggest, in the biggest match of your life on the, at Roland Garros in the, in the final, Philip Chatrier, and you have Rafa in the, in the in the cage before the match, right? Just, and you have to stand there while he like jumps all over you and it, just doesn't pretends like you don't exist. Did you hear Casper ask like, like the umpire like when when do they get announced? When when are we getting announced? Like he was like panicking. Like, yeah, he's freaking oh, oh, out. Are we almost getting out of here? Because I mean, you have Rafa just that's his environment. Like that's that's where he's comfortable. Is just in that in the trenches doing those like skips and the and the, the little sprints and the, the the practice swings. He everybody else has their rackets in their bag, buttoned up, zipped up. Like just well, head, head tied. Has, not, he started winning that tournament when Casper Ruud was five. That's like insane. that's just stuck in his head. He's sitting there. Like he's in the tunnel with him, and he's like watching the dude that he's watched his whole life. I'm, I and, mean, no wonder he got smoked. And, <laughs> <laughs> but Rafa's over there, just like that's the same Rafa that I've watched my whole life. He hasn't changed a lick. Like, not really. His, his preparation shorts got shorter. His short. No, he went from wearing capris to the shortest shorts on the tour. That is one of the craziest evolutions in, in sports this guy went from literally wearing pants right above his sock line to now he's got his entire thigh showing which is just like he must have finally realized that it's actually nice to have some some knee flexibility to, <laughs> to not buster the seam of your pants right. when you're when you're sliding on, on a clay court so yeah. i don't know i would like to ask rafa no reporter has ever asked him about that which is mind-blowing it's like why, why haven't we asked him about that whole progression, like was was there a certain match where you were like, man, it might be convenient to actually have shorts that allow my knees some freedom to to kind of stretch a little bit. Yeah, to move around. Anyway, Breakpoint guys, awesome show. Tune into it. I know. Tell tell your friends that are sports fans to watch it. 
I think it'll bring them to our sport and realize that you know, this, like, there are real wars going out there and on the tennis court week in and week out. And it also, you know, it picks out to the to the ability of some people that have their own podcast show and how accurate they are in predicting like grand slams. Because knowing all of that, the fact that you still have all of your dudes alive. Every single one of them. I'd said that you were American heavy. We, and like now <laughs> it's the first year where they're like, this is the greatest year in 20 for the America, for the oh, red, white, and blue. And Nate, you had that way before anybody. So we should talk about Australian Open. You want to go back to the first round? Let's go back to the first, first round. First round. Because it's just like, it's already changed a ton. Medvedev looked so nasty over Giron. Um Nadal beating first up off, Draper. Go back to our draft picks real quick. Okay, okay, okay. okay Let's okay. go to our draft picks. So I started off. We went. I, my, well, let's go through my whole team. I took I took Felix <laughs> in round one. I took Sinner in round two. I took Corda in round three. Then Tommy Paul and JJ Wolf. I our draft was you have to pick somebody in each slot, ranked one to ten, eleven to twenty, thirty-one to forty, and so on and so on. I felt good about it at the time, but wow, none of those guys are out of the tournament. No. And I liked your draft a lot. I mean, you. I did too. I thought you I had a better. You went with your guys, to, though. You I took Corch. I had a better. I had a better draft. I thought. <laughs> I had Keegs. So you got Joker, obviously, <laughs> as a great pick. Still you got Curious, who was, I thought was a great pick at the time. Didn't know he was, banged up again. You took your boy Corch, who you hopped on the wagon after Western and Southern, which I thought was another solid pick. I thought that he was going to. Falkina. Yeah. Played at a Dangerous. high level. That was Dangerous. my late pick. That was your, yep. And then you got Shelton. Yeah. And, you actually have your first and your last pick left. Which is crazy. Which, yeah. So, But that's why I didn't know I needed to take Americans. Like you got to take I, the I Ameri- almost took Brooksby, but I thought he'd be tired. And I don't know. I don't Like, he's playing at a top level, although he looks like he should be on a boat. <laughs> the, the boys are calling him the captain. The captain. Um, so anyway, I mean, round, round one was, things got goofy in this tournament right away. Yeah. What? Chris Eubanks over Quan. That was a big. That was, that was a crazy one. I thought. Chris Eubanks. I, I actually took Chris Eubanks on you my did. on my first bet. I was like, Chris Eubanks is. He didn't fly all the way to Australia to lose to Quan, and Quan was just took the just took the title in Auckland. Yeah. Auckland. Yeah, it was not Adelaide. It was Auckland. Just took the title in Auckland, and I knew he had to be a little bit. The, the tank had to be a little bit empty there. Yeah. Took advantage of it. But there was like just so many good matches that are kind of like hinting like Murray and five. We thought that was not over Berrettini. That over Berrettini, the dogged out like crappy backhand on match point into the net. So bad. So that, so Murray's up two sets to love. Murray's up two sets to love, drops three and four, and I'm like, oh, Murray's that's that's tough. That's a tough one. He just laid it all out there. And I said, he, the only fight. way he gets into this term is he gets a Jimmy Connors effect. And it's totally happening now because that's two back-to-back in five. He's at, he's at 10 hours on the court. Kakanakis, too. But he had the Jimmy. He was down on down to rights completely in that match, I mean, too. Baratini's backhand. That oh. backhand, he's going to lose. He's not going to be able to sleep for... That's, that's nightmares. That's the bottom of the net. I was talking to some guys that have... <clears> that. So we have I mean, some coaches that were in Cincinnati where they're like, did you see that backhand? I mean, that is the backhand that Baratini has never shown to be able to hit. He could go anywhere 95, with it. But 95%, 99% of the time, Baratini is chipping that ball. That ball Why was, didn't he? Because that, that ball was put in no man's land with no pace. Murray's like on but, his but, knees on the right side of the court, like just Murray completely came, the, down. The only like, reason he didn't chip it is because he's, he, there's a guy at the net. Every time that you get that ball, that dead sitter that is in the middle of the court that is not, yeah, it's just like an awkward shot. Sandwich. You, 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 yeah, you're sandwiching it. You're just slicing it and getting to the net. But when the guy's at the net, there's a little bit of pressure that it has to have placement. And when you slice it, the ball's going to sit up a little bit more. Yeah. 
he 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 knew he's like, oh crap, I gotta Smoke hit I got right I gotta I gotta hit topspin. I gotta try to roll this ball to a corner. He, he rolled it. He to rolled the it. bottom of the tape. <laughs> and did you see Matt Murray's face when he looked at the box like after they showed the slow-mo? He was like That was match point. He's like, I'll take it. He's like, we're well, then he did that diabolical like laugh into the like air too. Like afterwards, it's like, oh, he's done. But then but then Berrettini had that nice hold after he re- he bounced back, got a nice hold, and I thought Berrettini's gonna turn this around. Yeah. Turns out Andy Murray, one of the sports best fighters, most I mean, the work that he's been able to put in to get his body to be able to compete for over four hours against a top player, one of the top four hands in the world, Matteo Berrettini, and just block. I was talking to like people about this, his block return. Murray's block return is so effective. He takes off. He he takes a 130 mile an hour serve and blocks it back at like 50 40 miles an hour with, with no pace on it. And you have to inject all the pace into every shot from that point on when he starts blocking the ball back, and it's. It's not easy because Murray anticipates so well on top of that. So he's sitting on your shot, and he's just able to squash, squash, squash. And then you hit that. If you don't hit a perfect approach shot, Murray is passing you or beating you with a two-shot pass, and it's just a frustrating dynamic. And yeah. It's like Kakanakis had the same problems. Yeah. I mean, I mean like this, but that Kakanakis match was just crazy too because it was just – that was the wave of momentum that like – Kakanakis up two sets to love. Two sets of love and up 5-2. Five, 5-2 two. Five, two in the third. Up 5-2. I thought my bet was, I, I almost took it to the bank. I, I should have cashed out. Oh my, But that's like that that real wave, and it's like once that happened, he threw his racket down, and then it's like he can't over, I mean, there's no way. I mean, that you know, point. 5-3, five, 5-4, five, 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 loses that set and loses the match. It's crazy. It is. I mean, he he should have, that those overheads, it's like, dude, just, just. The, the third shot. one was crappy. He did shot. like just hit the drop shot. Just put it any make, make Murray yeah. move. Change Mur- it. Murray up. was at the wall. Murray had no more real estate to go backwards. None. And that third one was, was like he did a little spinner up the middle though. But that it was, was like his brain left melted. left his shoulders. Like he couldn't. Yeah, he was he was washed. Like, and where after, did he go? And then after that, it's like you saw you saw uh, Judy Murray. I mean Murray's mom just standing up going ballistic. It was like that's the best it, point. It, it felt like we were in a movie at that point. It was it, the best moment I've ever seen. It was at that point we were like. It was part of a, a theater, yeah. a theatrical show, and I was like, "This is trouble for Kakanakis." And yeah. I mean, Murray looks in between points. Everybody knows he plays possum a little bit, where he just looks like he can barely walk, and he looks totally <laughs> washed out. And all of a sudden, the point starts, and Murray is sliding on metal hips and just gliding across the court and finding like slice backhand, slice forehand, find just his ability to redirect, collect pace, and just dish it out and find the open court. Then he ended up putting Kakanakis on a string. I mean, he just rolls well, balls, just rolls co- the ball. And it's- I mean, all the pros are amazing at compartmentalizing a whole set. Mm-hmm. It's like once the set changes over, it's like, okay, back, reset. Like Felix, when that very first match, because we were texting each other, and he's down, he gets completely worked yep. 6-1. Yep. And then he comes back and beats him like in tiebreakers to close him out three in a row to close them out. Like Felix looks like dangerous. He could make, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he... You have him on your list. Too? I got Felix at number one right here. I took him. I took him number one in the draft. I mean, that was a good pick. I I like Felix a lot. He's got the most. I would say. Although I just gave him the kiss. Of I death. guess we speak in hyperboles a lot on this podcast. I, I, I would bit. think a little bit, but greatest point I've ever seen. No, I, but I would honestly say, I think Felix is. I mean, Carlos, him, curious, I guess. But it's like when you when you talk about the serve, forehand combination, that one oh, two yeah. combo. I mean, there's nobody hitting spots. I mean, for, and obviously you have Fritz up there, but it's like and and Mateo, but it's like Felix is. I mean, he's that's a dangerous. You man. have to go in with Felix and decide that you're gonna. You have to hit big on him. Yep. But it's like 
like you were saying the Serendundo. Mochan had him. Mochan too. Mo- Mo- like they're all hitting huge forehands and he just eats them. He does. He doesn't his, care. His his form on like the technique on the forehand is so repeatable, I would say. It's just like he gets on top of the ball so easily and there's really not a whole lot of like it's he looks so strong. He looks and strong. Balanced. He looks so balanced. He looks behind every ball. He looks so gathered. I don't know. I think, I th- I, it's hard to knock him off his pivot. It's balanced. Like it's, he looks just like he's balanced. It's so there's so much stability in that swing. Yeah, he's like, dangerous. You cannot blow up the forehand. You have to. And like the backhand is also just looks strong. It looks like he can collect the pace and redirect, and fight. And, and he's got the slice now. And I mean, he's. It's hard to count him out. He's a guy that even down two sets to love. I don't know if there's anybody I feel more confident at this point. Obviously, Rafa at some point when he was healthy. But right now on the tour, down two sets to love, I still can't count Felix out. I don't like, either. I'll go bet on Felix when he's down two sets to love just for those odds. The only people that I feel like can get him are like these new guys that are just coming. Like Holger, Holger obviously. Holger, yeah. If Shelton, if Shelton's like hot and screaming at the crowd. <laughs> Shelton, 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 Shelton. I can't wait to get to talking about Shelton. Have you watched Shelton. any of his matches? I've watched Shelton. Dude, he is like screaming Every other point. All right, so with Andy Murray, guys, we'll wrap up Andy Murray's fan. talk. What's got to Ben Sheldon? I, I think Andy Murray got enough praise. I, Muzzard is, is a legend. The Muzzard. All right, <laughs> let's talk about the Americans. I, we, we could go round by round, but we would be here. I mean, I, I would, you're going to catch me talking about tennis all day if we do that. But just so we all are on our agreement, though, that Brooksby at right now, Tommy Paul, we got Michael Moe, Jonathan, or Jeff, J.J. Wolf, Jeffrey John. <laughs> Jeffrey John. Corda, a huge win over Medi, and um, that's it, right? Did I forget one? No, that's everybody. No, you got everybody that's left. That's we a ton of Americans. Six Americans left. Yeah. We had two Americans dropped out with Tiafo and McDonald last night, but let's start off with Ben Shelton, the 2022 NCAA champion who decided to forego the rest of his eligibility in his first tournament. After doing that, Western and Southern knocks off Kasparud 6-1, 6-1, drops just eight points on his serve. And at that point, I felt like if you're a, a, a dialed-in tennis fan, you were like, whoa, what what just happened here? Then he takes out Sinego as well in an epic match. And then you're like taking him – at that point, you have to realize that this guy's – like, the confidence is there to, to be a contender on these at these real events. But I mean, when that's why I picked went, him, picked him into this tournament. Though, he had a good draw. He had he, he, had, he had a good draw. I like that pick. When you when you took him, I was like, oh, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a because he has good matchups. He's got a good matchup in the next round. He's got Pop, Alexi Popperin. So Shelton's whole thing is like, if he wins that, he gets JJ he's or seven, Mo. He's number seventy six in the world now. It's gonna go up I, lower. I, oh, he's going he's going lower. He's, and he's, he's got sweet rankings. shoes too. Those are neat. What are those? New Balance. Are they? Right? Yeah. No, they didn't have any brand name on them. They're weird. He's got full. I'm pretty sure he's New Balance. He's got New Balance apparel. 95% he's New Balance. They're like shoes. red, weird looking shoes that I didn't think. I've never seen them before. Oh. I was like, that was one thing I was going to bring up because I wanted to know what they were, unless it's just some strange. I think he's got the 996s on. Let's see. There's no N. Did they take the N off? Because that'd be like the new, weirdest New Balance. I follow shoes. <laughs> I follow shoes. Um, I follow shoes. Hold on. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm throwing, I'm throwing Nate through. I, I just figured that would just roll off your tongue. I, no, he's yeah, he's rocking New Balances. So he just he just crossed off the New Balance might not be paying him for the shoes yet. So he took the N off? So he took the N off. That's what, exactly what it looks like. I'm looking at this picture with Rafa. He practiced with Rafa um, look up, like six look days up ago. The, look up the Jerry match or whatever the guy. Um, he wore these shoes right here, right? Hold on, let's show you guys how to look at the podcast. No, those are huh? not the ones he was wearing. Or maybe, maybe. It has to be, right? Yeah. 
996s. V4. It just went to this. Hit the hit the search button. The search on Instagram, yeah. Oh, there we go. Let me see. Those are those shoes, right? Oh, those are it. Yeah. Maybe? New Bounce. He's a New Bounce guy. Okay. That's yeah. cool. You're They're not like they're not your lobs. You got lobs on. Yeah. I'll take that. Nice catch. Anyway, threw so, that right at Nate's face. <laughs> so, no, I think I think what Shelton has been able to do, he, he's electric. I mean, talking to some people that were at, at the match, I was having people send me some videos just to watch, just because I, I'm obsessed with watching his passion, his bounce. Yeah, he he attacks the point with so much energy, and he lets it out there after the point. I love how he just lets the crowd hear it. He he he's, he's gonna be, he's a showtime player. He's, his forehand is just. Like 161 miles per hour slam, like 161 kilometers per hour. Yep, cracking them. Just cracking but it. But it's it's heavy too. I mean, I have to watch him because he's one of two people that I have left in my picks. But like, I was gonna watch him just because. Alexi versus and Shelton. That's gonna be a hell of a match. He just he looks like not intimidated by any of these people that he's played because he's, he's not. Did you listen to his interviews after the matches at all? Mm-mm. So. So first off, I mean, playing college tennis, I think, is just added so much of that fearless attitude. Yeah, to him. he's he's been in those environments that are hostile, like yeah. those hostile environments that when when Florida plays Georgia or Florida plays Tennessee or any of these schools, and says like that's a more hostile environment and a more intimidating type place to kind of enter. This is nothing to him. Like this is even to have some if he plays against uh, he's playing against an Australian the next round, he'll he'll embrace that. Yeah. He'll, he'll love every second of that match. Yeah, why not? He's going to love it. And it's like his lefty slice serve to Alexi's backhand. His serve is sick. His serve is disgusting. Opening up that court for that forehand, to, and then he's going to come forward, and his slice doesn't look – something looks funny with that backhand slice, but it's been effective. And guys haven't been able to, to tee off on it. Well, and his serve is just put people in a box, just yep. completely he, own them. He's got the fastest serve of the tournament so far. It's got to be. It just looks It looks different. It just looks so hard. It looks like a complete it, the, swat. I just I have not returned his serve, but I, f- I feel like it just looks like it, it's going to dominate your racket. Even it like, does. Even if you get your racket on it, it looks like it's going to break your forearm. It does. It thing looks it, like it's coming out. And it moves, too. It, do- oh, it, it, moves. it totally cuts over. I mean, it's deadly. Like It's just deadly. His dad is, coach, is still coaching at Florida right now, but I can... I would have get to imagine. Get that serve going. I would have I to need imagine. to get him into the semis. <laughs> I mean, literally, literally. If you're, if, his, he, <laughs> if you're his dad, though, it's got to be tough. Even if you're the Florida team that he's got is not bad, it's got to be like, gosh, just let me finish this year and let me go coach my son on the tour. I, I mean, your son is already going to be in the top fifty by the time you you join him. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing stopping Ben Shelton right now. Yeah. He's too athletic. He's too centered. Well, and you said it the best too is like Australian Open, is sort of like a predictor for the how. Like where people are going to kind of line up for the rest of the year because it's a slam right at the dude's doing pretty well. Like oh, it's not like he's, he's in just the final gonna... thirty. He's in the final thirty-two. <laughs> yeah, you're in the final thirty-two. That's a... which I think he can. I think he can win this next match, and then you go up against Jeff, JJ, ask, or Mo. Couldn't ask. That's winnable. Could not ask for a better draw for your first can't. Aussie Open. His first time out of the country playing at a tournament. Then he's going to get either Murray or Brooksby or Paul or RBA. Like those are got, all winnable. All winnable. I mean, he's. I mean, he's got to be thinking that though in the back of his head. Like, I could, I could win. I, I just got to keep trusting the serve. Smack that serve. I, I think if if I think Shelton Shorter. is such a humble 
like just one day at a time type person. I bet he's like I think that's why he's going to be a, such a player. Right. Guys like him and Corda. They don't think they ahead. Just, they're just they're just one match at a time. Corda looked time. so good with the lobs over Medi. We're jumping all let, over the place. I'm sorry. Let, last note on Shelton is after the match uh, against. Who did he take out in round one? I just forgot. That Zhang. The, oh, yeah, 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 Zhang. T-S-E-N-G. Yeah, the, it was the, like the Chinese, sets, Chinese yeah, yeah. guy. So, Chinese Taipei guy, yeah. So, yeah. after the match, they are like, um, what, like, you haven't been outside the country to play a match, blah, blah, blah. How come? Like, they were, like, kind of questioning his plan of development. And he was just like, you know, when I was a young kid, I wasn't that good at tennis, and I was still losing to plenty of kids in the United States, and... I felt like I was still getting better every every day at practice in the United States, and I didn't really see, you know, the reason to kind of put my family schedule, um, in my, like and kind of looked. He was looking at it like a, like a selfish standpoint, like why would I move my family's plans around and make them scramble to get me to different tournaments when I can just train here and it's an effective plan for me. And it's like I love that answer because like people think like, oh, what's wrong with you? You didn't, you're not going to travel. Yeah, but if you're getting better, globe. he's like, I'm getting better and. He trusted what he was doing and what his dad was telling him. He's got his dad is one of the best coaches in. I don't know. I mean, get a national championship. Just just one back to back. Yeah, two titles and he's his dad's the only coach to win titles at two different schools, um, Georgia Tech and Florida. One of long as if you're not trying to break the like youngest guy to ever win a Grand Slam record, then who cares? Right, and he like, and he loved college. I mean, that's you could I yeah. mean, that, you you see him Gator chomping after these wins. It's like <laughs> I don't think he regrets doing the way the way yeah. he did it at all. I think yeah. he I think that was a perfect game plan for Benny. So Shelton, let's go, Ben. Ben Ben's. The, I mean, that is hard. It's hard not to be a big fan of this kid. Yeah. Congrats to Ben Shelton. American tennis is back. Next American we got to talk about is Seb Corda. Sebby Corda, who I was, I was going to say that was my third draft pick. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. mean, he's just Even, been steadily yeah. improving. At 22 years old, gets the biggest win of his career, takes out Daniil Medvedev, who's playing like good. Like, I mean, I, the first round, he he bageled somebody. Yep. I mean, Medvedev just I mean, obviously went to the finals last year of the Australian Open. This is a place that he's had success in. And Corda was the best player on the court from the from, from the first ball. Absolutely. Went up two breaks, uh, four to one, ended up suffering back-to-back. He got broken back twice, so they ended up – then he ended up taking the first set in a tiebreaker. And after that, it was like he, he just believed from that moment on that he was going to be the better player in every exchange. I mean – his variety, that backhand slice, dipping the like he was slicing it down the line, making Medi chase the outside of the ball to the deuce court, and then just firing the next ball down the, down to Medi's backhand. And you know Cordo's ball is big when he's had he has Medi on this full stretch, and he's four feet away from the sideline, like he's not even trying to tag tag lines. He's four feet off the sideline, and Medi's still one racket, one hand reaching it just to pop it back into play, and Cordo was just. Dominant. He's well, and, Medi, and and the thing too with Medi is he's such a wily player. Like he switched strategies and just started hitting everything at quarter's backhand. That backhand is his backhand, lit. It's dude, it is. So he, it's like everything was going to it too, and he's just like because it's Medi, he it's, just start pushing everything to it, like like everything. His backhand is so fundamentally he just sound. I yeah. mean, you cannot break his backhand down because he this the slice is something that has come to him more recently. Yeah, but the the top spin backhand, he's had the Every, he's had the short angle, the punch down the line shot. He's had that stuff for a couple years now. He just added that change-up slice where he can really, like, direct it and put it in different spots. I mean, he was I, I, when I was at his practice in Miami, he was really working on the slice and trying to just control it back to different parts of the baseline. And he it was on full display. Like, his his artillery is— Just keeps it so deep. His bag is, just, his bag is deep. And those lobs. 
he's got the Andy Murray lob on both forehand and backhand <sighs> where you get him on the run and you think you got both angles covered. He can just, he can spit up a lob and a six six guy like Medi you think would be tough to lob. He had no just issue. Concrete. No issue lobbing him. It was him. great. Medi did it four Medi, times. Medi was taking one step and he was like, "I ain't getting to this ball. That. It's over." Can't. It's. I Corda put on a display. I've passed out after the first set. Woke up to see the the finish of that one. I went back and watched the highlights. They were all seven sevens, right? Seven six, seven six, seven, seven five. six, seven five. Seven five. Seven five was one of them. Yeah. That's how you got to beat Medi. Yep. No, I mean he. Medi's been the best hardcore player from since like 2018, 2019, and or at least top three of one of, one of them. And but not for the American. Who who are we talking about next? And which of these Americans? Are we talking about Wolf, Corda, or Wolf, Brooksby, or Paul? I mean. Brooksby and Paul, we talked about Brooksby a ton on the previous episode. Tommy Paul looks sweet. because Brooksby, got the, another 22-year-old, though. It's still running. Takes out the number two seed, Casper Rude. I know. I, and those those had long rallies. To me, or sorry, four sets, four sets. To me, that was, it should have been three. He, he just lost a little bit of focus in that, in that serving it out at 5-4, lost a little bit of focus on the... On the thinking about his yacht. He was. He's thinking about his yacht. No, I would say, <laughs> of all the performances so far, I mean, Paul had a brilliant performance against Falkina, but... I thought Brooksby's was the most dominant. Like, Corda controlled. I thought Brooksby was just tactically, like, what he was able to do to Casper Rude, one of the best fighters on the tour, yeah. and just rip through him. I mean, he was just taking time away from Casper, putting him in, just putting him in a pretzel from all, all points, on the, all down points the, on the court. Down the line winners. That backhand is, is special. Because well, he was like, they like, at, even at the beginning, it's like, what? This is gonna be exciting because they both have the same type of game, and they're just gonna retrieve each other all day long. And then, but he was just standing on down the line rippers with the backhand. It just frees up. It and freed up Casper. I mean, frees up Casper Rudin to like just stand there and watch it go down. It's like that's how you like that is awesome. And his defense is up is so good. I mean, his anticipation. He was doing it in the like uh, um, Auckland or yep. where was it Adelaide? Uh, Adelaide yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He was doing it the whole. <laughs> yep. So. I don't know, like if you're playing against Brooksby, like at this point when you, when you see his level, obviously his his serve, the second serve is something that you can attack. Not not one of Casper's strong suits. Casper's just not a guy that's gonna look to step in and rip a winner off that first ball. Um, other guys are definitely gonna look to do that. Outside of that being a, a little bit vulnerable, I don't know where you like because Brooksby is stubborn. He's just a stubborn. He's gonna you're not gonna be able to push him back too far on the baseline. Right. He absorbs pace so well. He can redirect so well. The drop shot he disguises beautifully. I mean, he can hold that he can hold that two-handed backhand grip, and then he has a two-handed backhand slice anyway. So it just kind of just drops under the ball. Yeah. And it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like a beautiful. Like it looks rough, but it does every time it goes where it's supposed to go. I just feel like Tommy is gonna. That's not a good matchup. Tommy's gonna slam him. Tommy destroyed him in Cincinnati this past year. Did he? Which I watched. Oh, that's right. Year. We were there. Yeah. I we were. I was that. gonna say yeah. We were. I there. didn't see that one. So Tommy ripped through him there, but. Uh, I think Brooksby's obviously <coughs> continued to improve. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> you're good. Tommy's just continued to improve as well. I just think with the new V-Core, obviously, he's got that little bump in his game. I think Brooksby's going to push him to f- – it's going five. Yeah. That, that one's going five. I don't know who to pick on this one. T- Tommy or Brooksby, who you got? I'm going to go with Tommy Paul. I just feel that um, – They both left Team Blade. I know they did. Which is pretty crazy. That way we were talking about it last week. Yeah, last, they're both – that's crazy. And uh, I, I, I feel like Tommy Paul's just got the weapons and, like, it's just not a good matchup. Whereas yep. We'll see, though, because if he starts spraying some stuff around with the brand-new racket, Brisky's going to frustrate him. He's not luck-based. He's not, he's not luck-based. I can't wait for that matchup. But, anyway, Tommy Paul, massive win against uh, 
Alex Davidovich Falkina oh, yeah. in the last round. The, the the Spaniard who, I mean, the athleticism on the court that match was something special. Yeah, the court a- coverage was ridiculous. They actually showed that match from a different court angle than all the other cameras. And it was always like it was. It made I loved it, it. It made it look like the ball was going a thousand miles per I hour. I loved it because that's the ball is going a thousand miles yeah. an hour, and you can't appreciate the ball speed. At the angle that tennis is traditionally shot at, right? I I should have talked about that more on on Twitter. I should have just been tagging Australian Open Twitter the whole time. Like, please give me more matches at this yeah. angle, because then you can really appreciate how fast these guys it's are that moving. Court, it's that one court with the wall on the yep. left side, like because like girls even like uh, I watched Garcia play on that court, and I watched Katie McNally play on that court, and it looks like the ball is moving a thousand miles per hour. The ball is moving that. It's that's what I, I got to appreciate the the striking and the movement during that match more than any. Just because that camera angle added so much yep, to it, yep. and I mean the match point backhand passing shot, cross court backhand he hit on the dead run was ridiculous. Falkina came back, came into oh, the net. Oh God, in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Falkina came to the net on. A, I mean, on, that's a good approach shot. I mean, you <laughs> if you're the coach, it's like you, that is what you come to the net behind every time. And just Tommy just slides it. into the backhand and just pokes it cross court, strings it. Oh, I mean, I was like, you got to be kidding. Yeah. You got to be joking, and yeah. that, Tom. That's Tommy's got the most swag on the tour. I, I have to say, like that dude is just yeah, like, look, too cool for school out there. He's too cool for school. We got to talk about JJ Wolf. JJ Wolf takes out Jordan Thompson against an Aussie crowd, a pro Home Aussie crowd. crowd. Yeah, and if you if you watch the end of that match, I mean JJ was having some fun with that one. So he, another guy that you play college tennis, especially for a school like Ohio State, that you have big rivalry matches, whether it's Ohio State, Illinois. Um, I mean, anywhere in the country, you're, you're going to be the most targeted guy. JJ's background, he was the most dominant college player in the country that year. And he goes into that match. He he was, like, smiling. 26 and 1. He, yeah, 26. Yeah. He's smiling when the crowd is, like, cheering for, for Thompson. He's, like, he, he was loving it. Yeah. And at the end of the match, JJ has a, that signature celebration he does where he leaps <laughs> up. And, you know, he was, like, if you watched him kind of look at the crowd, he was, like, do they want it? Like, do they, do they really want me to see me do that? And they were, like, and the Aussies – they, they were kind enough to let Jordan Thompson, their hometown hero, walk off the court. And then they're like, we want to see it. Give it to us. Give it to us. And J.J. was like, all right. He goes up and he jumps. And the crowd goes crazy. And J.J. almost takes out his own bench and well, almost, he also, almost withdrew from the tournament after that. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and then he did the O.H. after the Schwartzman win. That was sick. O.H. That was sick. Uh, that was sick. Throw up the O.H. That was, but that's isn't that cool? I mean, Ben drops the Gator Chomp. Wolf drops the O.H. It's College tennis is a real avenue for these guys to, to develop and become real pros, and they're both going to be top fifty real soon. It's yeah. pretty special, and I've it's cool that we've that just working in tennis, we've been able to watch those both those guys almost all of their careers since college. So yeah, JJ's got to play a lucky loser, uh, the Momo, Momo, Michael Momo. He's got two M's though, yeah. one yeah. silent. <laughs> <laughs> silent. But I, I thought it was Momo. I was listening to the, I was listening to, to Gruskin talk about him the other day, and my, he was just saying Mo. I trust Gruskin is. I'm sure he's right. I'm sure he's accurate on this, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to go with Mo. But Michael Mo, who played Sasha Zverev in the yeah. 20, 2016 Miami Open, uh, lost seven six seven six when they were like 17 years old, gets redemption seven years later, and takes out Sasha in four sets after I dropping the first set. Coming. I mean, goodness, Michael Mo's movement. Sasha couldn't find the open court. I mean, Mo was all over the court, everywhere. Yeah. And he was just collecting that backhand, just scrapping. And the forehand, it doesn't look – it's just a short, compact little swing. But he makes it happen, and he packs a punch. I mean, he's absolutely jacked. Dude looks like he could play many other sports. Yeah. 
But Mo is playing JJ Wolf. You gotta like the matchup if you're JJ. Um, just I mean, you this is a guy you've played on the challenger circuit for the last couple of years, and now you get him in a third round of the Aussie Open, and Mo hasn't been there either. So yeah, it's, like usually JJ is going up against he's like like just, or yeah, somebody at this point. Yeah. yeah, he gets Michael Mo, and I that's a favorable matchup for for Wolf. I would have to see. I I, I want to see what those odds are um, on. On Fanduel, but I would have to think that JJ's. The I favorite. think JJ gets him. I think then we get the Gators and Buckeyes. <sighs> that's, that's too good. That's gonna be good. Let's go. <laughs> so I'm excited for JJ versus Mo. Two Americans. One will advance. I I wish we could spread out the Americans. I would like to see all these guys get a shot to face each other in the later rounds. But first time since 1996, I believe that we've had this many guys yeah. through this deep in a tournament. Gotta carry the flag. Gotta Let's carry go. U.S. tennis is back, it's back, baby. We are back. We will be back on top soon. Gosh. All right. Last couple of things that we, we, we could you talk about. You have to about. sell. We got to sell some we got, stuff, Yeah, right? we got we to gotta so sell some, some gear, there's man. There's some gear. We got cool stuff. Let's talk about, I know I talked about this last time, but Yonix V-Core 2023, best released, I'll say in my opinion, in, in a while, since probably the Yonix E-Zone. Or the... I mean, literally, Yonix has been just dropping dimes out here. That new V-Core, I thought it was super cool to see Yoshi Nishioka last night in his match. First off, he played amazing. But to go th- into surgery at a changeover during the medical timeout, have you ever seen somebody th- apply lead tape like that? Yeah. And like, Because usually that's a very peculiar, like, it has to be pretty spot on to where you're used to. Like, you miss by a centimeter, like, you're going to feel some something kind of yeah. wonky. Yeah, well, at that time, too, it's like he hasn't won the match yet. Like that, no. like he got through the first set, but he still got then to come back and just then that tape worked, that it, stuff worked because he did. got lethal. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he is he electric or what? I mean, yeah. his variety, his shot variety, and just his shot tolerance and his ability to just his movement is. I mean, coming off the, all, the injuries that he suffered with his legs, and he's still able to move like that at five foot six, man, cover he, so much ground. He put Mc, McDonald down. He put him yeah in a stranglehold. In a stranglehold. That was impressive. But anyway, I would say, guys, if you're looking to demo any rackets right now. That's the which one. Is, yeah, which is a, one of the best services Tennis Point can offer you. You can literally demo any racket you want that we that we offer for sale. Pure Drive 98, the V-Core 2023. So the Pure Drive 98, if you guys are, are power hitters, someone that's looking for a little bit more control, a little more precision, a little more feel, that is the best combination you can get. Finally, the Pure Drive has an offering that is more suitable that you won't be sending balls to the curtain because I would say you found the pure drive more often than not in the junior levels and more popular with female tennis players. So light. there's no gender specific rackets, but I think just given the physical makeup of female athletes, they they could use a little more pop. A lot of you don't see any players on the tour besides Fognini using the pure drive. It's just yeah. too powerful. It's just you're sending balls to the back of the curtain, but with this added feature being in a 98 square inch, a 98 square inch head you get that extra bit of feel and just control that you need to control a beast like that so those are the two rackets i would say to check out we've got the head radical coming out soon we've got the wilson shift coming out soon we've got the head gravity update coming out soon i mean wilson pro staff v14 is coming out soon yep just so many damn launches to talk about and exciting but also if you guys need any string recommendations i it's hard to kind of give you guys recommendations because it's all of them are just suited for different types of playing styles, different grips, different um, rackets and stuff, different different string patterns. Be sure to message 
Pure Tennis Podcast on Instagram, and we will give you just. I mean, like, that we're dialed into you that. You can ask part a nerd game. question like, ask what's sixteen point one? What's seventeen? Like, what do you? What 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 are those things on the Salinkos that have like the little in the parentheses? Yeah, you can ask Nate. He'll tell you all about Ex- it. Exactly. That's what I'm here for, guys. That's what <laughs> me and JP are. I mean, when we're not talking tennis, we're likely on court or watching tennis. That's part. That's part of the fun part of our jobs. But I, I we could go on and on about the gear. I think we did a lot of that last podcast. True, true. Let's wrap it up. And I want to. I, I gotta get back to watching some of these highlights that we missed last night. Guys, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Enjoy all the action this weekend. We'll be back in the booth here soon to recap round of the third round, round of uh, fourth round, and kind of preview the quarterfinal yep. matchups. It's gonna be electric. Even with all these big names out, whether it's Alcaraz, Rafa, Carlos. They're There's all, still so many good players. And it's team. anybody's tournament now. The tour is so deep. Yep. Guys, have a great weekend. We will talk to you guys soon. Peace.